Well, welcome to Church Matters, our very first podcast here, starting off the new year, and Happy New Year to you, Warren. Happy New Year as well. I guess a little introductions. I'm Jason Reyes, and you are? Warren Betcher. Did you ever think you'd see 2020? No, can't imagine 2020. It does make you feel a little old, doesn't it? It does make you feel old. (laughs) We have a lot of exciting things that are in store for the church for this year, and we're excited to be kicking some of these things off. This past Sunday, let's just get into it. Uh, What we're going to be talking about in Church Matters are, are some of the things that affect our church, maybe the things that we feel pastorally that we want to talk about and address with the congregation, but not have the opportunity to do that on a Sunday morning. But this is another vehicle and another means to do that. And I hope that we also have some fun, you know, with this as well. And we, we might from time to time diss the Cowboys as well. And, and I know that you're going to, in good humor, you'll be fine with that, won't you? I will be. Okay. All right. So, but let's go ahead and if we can, we, this past Sunday, we just kicked off a, a new series titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? Just for those who are listening, if you could, why are we doing this series right now in the life of our church? If you can explain that for us. I think coming out of 2019, actually the last few years, we're aware of challenges we face as a church. And there's been a number of those challenges. And then as when you start a new year, you're always thinking initiative. What can we do to take the church forward? And I think the temptation can always be to activity. So a ministry that we can initiate, a program, something that's active. And it's our work that starts to lead us. And our concern as a pastoral team going into this is that we didn't want to do a lot of good things and miss the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. So as I was praying about this and to talk about with the team, just that idea of the priority of love, a love for God love for one another, and then love for the world that God made. And that that was the place to start. So rather than activity, let's start with those priorities and build from those priorities and build out from those priorities. That's great. Some of the implications that you feel pastorally with regards to uh, starting off with love being the theme. You mentioned that love is not just the ethic, but it's the atmosphere of the New Testament. Maybe you can expound upon that a little bit. Well, I think for the people, and it starts with God, so it doesn't start horizontally, it doesn't start relationally. It really starts with God's amazing love to us. Really, John 3.16, in one sense, sets the atmosphere for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. A world that was rebellious, a Mm -hmm. world that wasn't worthy of his love, not deserving of his love, not even looking for his love. And yet God so loves the world, he brings his son to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that changes the atmosphere of everything. So I think people who came to believe in Christ saw something that was just a brand new experience and their hearts changed. Mm -hmm. And then the impact of that to relationships. And so I think it all stems from God's love to us. And because of how he's loved us patiently, Mm -hmm. graciously, with forbearance, that affects how we love one another. His love's active, so it's not passive love. He doesn't just sort of love at a distance and give us a sentiment. Right. He he invades right. and rescues at his own cost. So what now happens, these people that have been so taken by this love of Christ, they love God and they want to bring others to the Lord. Right. Even brothers, bringing another brother. Right. Friends that I just can't believe this news that I've heard. And that came out of not an evangelistic program, but it came out of a heart that was changed and transformed by the by by the gospel. Right. So the gospel is so countercultural. What we what we love naturally is we love ourselves. Right. And the gospel transforms that That's good. Um, into love for God and love for others. That's good. Second Corinthians five, you know, mm-hmm. fourteen really, you know, for the love of Christ controls or yep. some versions compels right. us. Uh, that we concluded that Christ died for all, and therefore mm-hmm. he died for all, that those who live, I love this part, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And 
And that does seem to be the ethic. And you didn't start there, though, with this series. Mm-hmm. Instead, you, you started and you launched in one of your favorite books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know it's been co- become very dear to you. And that's the book of Revelation. Explain a little bit more about the background of why Revelation 2, and especially verses 1 through 7, in terms of starting there. Well, actually, it started with a book that I was reading by Alexander Strauss called Love or Die. And that was the verse on the cover. Kind and of a stark it, uh, title. Yeah, Love or Die. <laughs> yeah. And that grabbed me. Mm. The moment I read it, it immediately grabbed me of love or die. Mm-hmm. And then because I do love Revelation and love the letters to the churches. And then this church in Ephesus that's so intriguing because when you read the commendations, they're outstanding. I mean, mm. this is the church you want to be. Right. And actually, if you read the beginning of those commendations, you would think that's a church that's fully in love with God because they're serving, they're working, they're enduring. And yet you have that great concern that they've loved, uh, they've left the love they had at first. Mm-hmm. And just Christ coming to speak to them about that. Even that represents love to me that Jesus doesn't just observe his churches, but he walks among them. He knows them. And I thought for us as a church, I think we have good theology. We could get proud of our good theology, mm. put confidence in, in sound doctrine, which we would never want to minimize. And then we could go to what do we need to do? And we could end up imitating the church at Ephesus right. to where we're believing the right things, we're enduring for the sake of Christ, and we're working hard, and yet we don't have the same love. Mm-hmm. So it's activity without meditation, meditation about God's love to us. And I think that would be very dangerous for us to go down that kind of a path right. or a path of activity where we're just doing things and thinking that's going to fix the problem. Right. So I thought what was interesting in your message that you you brought out is that it wasn't a leadership deficit for this church right. in Ephesus. Like so so who were some of the the names that were actually involved in the forming of this church and the care for this church? Yeah, it, it's a hall of fame in the New Testament that this church gets. Uh-huh. I mean, they get Paul, they get Apollos, who's we don't know a ton about Apollos, but a phenomenal preacher is what right. we do know. Right. Uh, he uh, was very gifted. Priscilla and Aquila end up in Ephesus. Timothy's sent there, so Paul's heir apparent. Wow. Somebody that Paul loved, and he sent Timothy right. with great love and care for that church, and then ends up with John. Right. Uh, so you have the Apostle John, <laughs> the beloved disciple, the beloved disciple, and you see all this in John's writing in the Gospel of John. And the, the prominence of love in the Gospel of John, particularly in all that happened in that Last Supper, that last night of Jesus' life. And then you have First John and all the emphasis on love. Mm-hmm. And here's John writing Revelation. Right, right. And again, you know, here's what's coming. Right. So I just think seeing that so powerfully, that's where it started. Right. It was interesting to me because it does seem as though it wasn't a an indictment on a leadership deficit that no. led to this church and being corrected by right. Christ himself. But it does seem to be more in line with really every person, every church's difficulty, if you will, is that our right. falling condition focus mm-hmm. is to drift. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the wording wording there is you've abandoned, right. you know, the love. In that, you spoke about love being very general, mm-hmm. okay? It wasn't specified in terms of is it's love for God, is it's love for one another, is this love for the world? It was just love. You've abandoned mm-hmm. the love that you, that you had at first. What were some of the implications as you were doing some of this study? What were some of the things that you were like, this is why this is really important, and this is why this is such a stark correction? Well, I, I love the marriage analogy. You can remain committed, faithful to your vows, and really not going anywhere, and still function smoothly together. But you can lose affection. You can lose zeal. 
and marriages drift. And I think that's what happens naturally. Right. So naturally, we drift. And the more used to one another we become, the more right. we can drift, take things for granted. Carson's yes. quote is, is one of my favorites. It says, we never drift into godliness. We always right. drift away, away, you know, away from the Lord. That's the naturalness of drift is always away, not toward. And I think so, that's true in all relationships. Right. So our, same with our walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. So the gospel can be so amazing early. Mm -hmm. God's word can be so alive early. Coming to a worship service can be so meaningful early. Serving can be so meaningful because you are so amazed at God's love. And then a decade goes by and you're used to it. And those truths don't amaze you in the same way. And that's gospel drift. Mm -hmm. We need to see that as that's a potential in us. If we don't see that there could be a problem, if we assume we're okay, we'll just keep drifting and not know it. Right. Because you won't see it on the outward trappings. You won't see it in heretical teaching necessarily. You won't see it in lack of activity. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, my heart has grown cold. And so I think that's where it needs to be cultivated. Right. Because I think we will drift. You go to a church early, uh, even when people visit another church, it's so new. Right. New always has attraction. What happens when it's no longer new? Mm -hmm. What keeps that passion, that kind of intimacy going? And I think we have to pursue that aggressively. So I want to highlight this as a potential problem for us. Right. For all of us. For all of us, right. uh, myself included in that. And then, so how do we address it? That's good. So you mentioned a few of the reasons why love is so important. And then you made a mistake in your sermon that you said that there are some reasons that didn't make the editing That's floor. The first time I heard him, I made a mistake in the sermon. So this interview is well, going to end soon. Because we we need to talk about the ones that didn't make it. So do you, do you recall the ones that made it that you referenced this past Sunday? Uh, reasons why? Love is yeah. so important. In church, this is really important. If the minister who preached can actually remember his own message afterwards, that's, well, that's take, top shelf right here. Yeah, I, I take comfort that everybody forgets within a day. <laughs> and I'm part of everybody. Certainly in priorities of why we love one another, it's how Christ summarizes the law. Right. It was a huge, massive question that he was asked, uh, regardless of the motive behind it, whether it was a genuine, sincere question or a trick question. Right. And he answered it so clearly to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And then I think Which that happens to be our memory verse. Yeah, our memory for verse week for this Mark week. Mark 12, 29 through 31. Just, just again, a little plug for you yep. uh, to, to, yep. to be memorizing that as a church. But yep. Go ahead. And I think that verse is one of those plumb lines. Yep. Right. It, it, it keeps us to ask that ourselves that question on a regular basis. And then I think just Christ, mm -hmm. the commands right. to his the, disciples. The new commandment. The new commandment. Right. And it's so strongly emphasized and then so strongly demonstrated throughout the rest of the New Testament. And it's really what did mark the New Testament church. Right. But they, they had problems as well. Right. So they weren't perfect. Uh, and then I think, you know, you go to Corinthians and Paul of those things of first importance and mm -hmm. or those things of uh, a better way, a more excellent way. Right. right. Uh, and he first talks about 13. First Corinthians 13. So I think those texts informed this, um, but there would be other texts as well. So what, what other things didn't necessarily make? Well, I could have gone into First John 4, God is love. Okay. Yeah. Um, and therefore we're representing him. Mm -hmm. So there is something that because the gospel has changed our lives, right. there's an impact of that that functions. So it's not just a confessional uh, belief system. It actually functions in your life and lives really do become transformed. 
And so I, I think that would be one thing. I think the Trinity, I didn't bring in the Trinity, but mm-hmm. the Trinity's always right, been in a loving relationship. Perfect unity. Father, and Son, harmony. Holy yep. Spirit. Uh, so they have fellowship, there's intimacy, there's love in the Trinity itself. Right. And so I didn't bring the Trinity to, to bear mm-hmm. uh, because that's a loving relationship that we're invited into, but right. it was already a loving relationship. So I think there would be two other things right. that would immediately come to mind. I could have hit more and more of the mission side of it that they'll know you're my disciples. Right. Uh-huh. Well, you, and you just think too of Ephesians 5, the command to charge for husbands, you know, to right. love your wives as Christ loved the right. church. And so it really does seem to embody, it's like, wait a second, Christ has loved us with yeah. amazingly sacrificial love. Right. And we are called not by just example, but really to follow his example in doing mm-hmm. that as well mm-hmm. uh, with one another and throughout the world as well. Mm-hmm. Quick question for you. What things do you have in terms of you were talking about goals mm-hmm. for the coming years? What kind of goals do you have to grow in love? For me, my goals are are starting very simple. And keep in mind, Kim's listening too. Yeah. Uh, and she'll watch. It's, uh, <laughs> it is uh, from another book that I recently read uh, called The Common Rule. Okay. And so this is a discipline. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to overfraid a practice, but without practice, you only have principles. So you have no right. way to apply principle. So you have to bring practice to apply principle. Just always know the difference between the two. And you're um, reading this book because of, if I understand correctly, and you can help me, resolutions is one way to look at the new year, yeah. but goals is a whole nother. Yeah. And yeah, changing and habits. Okay. Yeah. And I, cause I think even goals, sometimes we, right. you know, they become almost like resolutions. Right. The insight of the book, one of the insights of the book was how much our habits are already informing us and we're not aware of how they're informing us. Okay. That's good. We're always drifting because of habits but we can't articulate them. Mm-hmm. Some of the, the goal of the book is just change some of your habits. Okay. And they will also start to have an influence on you by being changed. Mm-hmm. Again, it's practice. So I start my day, I'm praying three times a day and I get on my knees and it reminds me of dependence. It reminds me of who God is and who I am. It reminds me of God's love for me. It's mm-hmm. a time to reflect. It can be brief. So I'm doing that morning, you know, in the afternoon and in the evening. And the evening's a corporate prayer where I pray really with Kim and we spend extended time to pray together. So is this a new practice? This that is you're a new to practice. Okay. And it's just to slow me down. All right. Because the habit of the day is busyness. So that so busyness actually is informing me all the time. There's the next thing to do, which can make me not live reflectively, actually live react reactively. And so the habit to slow down and recall those most important things, identity, purpose. And again, just grace, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that God's the only one who gets his to-do list done right. and that I don't and not letting that misfunction in my life. Mm-hmm. So I think the slow down part of it thats good in a world that's, I think, very fast, right. I live a life that has a lot of competing priorities that can call for a lot of activity. So this practice that you've adopted, mm-hmm. what other practices are you thinking about for the, for the coming year? Uh, Kim and I are embracing a fast time every week. So uh, again, it will be a time to make us slow down. We're really thinking through Sabbath and how do we apply that? Because it's going to be applied differently for me than maybe for others. Right. I'm hearing future podcasts are going to pull on these strings. Yeah. A little so more. those <laughs> are some things. Fellowship would be another part. Uh-huh. But yeah, those are some other practices, but it's all intended to slow down, to reflect a little bit more. And it's not massive. It's not taking a busy person and adding to their busyness. Right. That's always the concern is I'm already busy now. Now you're giving me more to do. It actually, I think, does the opposite of that. That's good. 
Well, and what's the title of that, that book again? Uh, the we, Common Rule. Okay, something you'd recommend? I would. Okay, yeah. all right. We are also getting ready to go into our church prayer and fast mm-hmm. uh, this Thursday and Friday night. So explain to me why this has been such a really important ethic, if you will, of the church, because we've been doing this for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And then why, why two times a year to gather as a church to pray and to fast together? Well, I think more than anything expresses our dependence. Mm-hmm. I, I think it does two things. It expresses our dependence on God which is something else we have to cultivate or we will drift from. Mm -hmm. I will always drift to, how do I fix it? So I need to understand I can't. So this helps us to remember that we're dependent on the Lord. And then also confident that the Lord hears our prayers and that he wants to help us. So this is not, uh, while God will give us ideas, and I believe God does give us ideas to lead and to take the church forward, we're not dependent on those ideas and we don't put our confidence in the right. ideas alone. So I think it's both an expression of dependence, but also of confidence. And I think we drift. So I think this is one of those things that almost calendar-wise helps us to slow down. Mm-hmm. And we have to make sure we don't let this practice just become a practice. Right, right. Divorce. A tradition. And, a tradition. Yeah. Divorce from real dependence. Right. Real love for God. Real understanding His love and purpose for us. Right. Well, I, I really am excited, you know, mm-hmm. to see what the Lord does. And I know for those who participate in this, you know, in the church, it can be, as many have said, really a highlight of the year. It's just something about us doing this together rather than just doing this individually. Excited, you know, for the coming year. This mm-hmm. is, again, this is podcast is titled Church Matters. And because we do want to talk about things that matter to our church and things both in practice and things just as we think theologically and, and biblically as well about our world and the place that God has called us to be missional mm-hmm. in it. We're going to cover other topics in the future. You probably just heard a couple of them just as you were talking, but we love for anybody at our church as well. There's means for you to submit questions. We'd love to be able to consider those and maybe even take some time on a podcast mm-hmm. to go ahead and answer those. Yeah. One quick plug is that we do have the, the scripture memory that we're doing for this series, What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, looking forward to that. This week, again, it's Mark 12. Hopefully, everybody's participating in that. And then also excited about the resource that we did provide and developed. We had a team of guys, so it was Caleb Bissett, Scott Ferris was involved, of developing a guide for wherever you're at in scripture. You can take this in terms mm-hmm. of questions to be asked to benefit in greater ways and greater dimensions from your reading. So hopefully our church will go ahead and look those up on the website. And we also have those on Sunday mornings as a resource available to them. Warren, thanks so much. You're welcome. Excited, you know, about what we're able to do. And uh, hopefully this is going to serve in the future. Thank you, Jason.